0: This is Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Tim Robbins is an Oscar-winning actor, writer, director, and activist. The star of films like Shawshank Redemption, The Player, Paul Durham, the writer and director of Dead Man Walking, Cradle Will Rock, and Bob Roberts, and the founding artistic director of the Actors Gang Theater Company in Los Angeles. His latest project is Babo Supreme, which is being called an oral cinema podcast in five parts, a satire of a narcissistic, infantile, narcoleptic, racist, billionaire president who's facing an uphill battle for re-election. It premiered at the New York Film Festival and is now available through the Patreon app. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Tim Robbins back to our show. Hello, welcome back. Hi, Leonard. How are you? I'm okay. You were back. You were on the show uh, in in January to discuss your play, The New Colossus, which looked at the Trump administration's immigration policies. January seems like a long time ago now. Seems like years. <laughs> Did you think that uh, things couldn't get much worse in the interim?
1: Well, I don't think any of us were prepared for this. Uh, it's a very challenging time. You know, um, We uh, had to shutter our theater in Los Angeles. Obviously, we can't gather audiences right now, but we kept all of our programs going. So we're still alive, and we're still working with uh, kids that are uh, in our education programs and are uh, incarcerated men and women still with programs as well. So
0: when did you start working on this project? Is it something that you've been writing since President Trump took office?
1: No, I wrote it a la- uh, summer ago, not this past summer, but the summer before that. I was up in Boston and I uh, had a place that I could see a sliver of uh, Boston Common. And uh, I was thinking a lot about Crispus Attucks and the American Revolution and I was thinking about the current situation we're in and the dog whistles that Trump was throwing out. And I I started thinking about this character I created in 92 uh, called Bob Roberts, and um, I always want to kind of revisit that character, but every time I sat down to write a kind of sequel kind of exploration, it just didn't work, because Bob Roberts right now would actually be an elegant statesman compared to what is happening right now, but I felt we had to satirize from a different point of view, so I started thinking about this character I played in my 20s called Ubu the King, which is this by
0: like Alfred Jarry.
1: Uh, yeah, there you go. And first performance of which in Paris in, I don't know, it was 1898 or something like that, mm. the audience was so incensed at the character that they ripped up the seats of the theater and had a riot. And uh, it's, it was the beginning of a, a kind of liberation in storytelling in theater. It led to Dadaism and Surrealism and Expressionism. And uh, so I I was thinking about this character, which is this unchecked id, this man with lust for power, um, kind of a a little bit like the Scottish play, but on steroids. (laughs)
0: And
1: uh, and so I I started writing from that point of view. And
0: originally, um, um, Babo was called Ubu, but uh, I changed it to Babo. And was your original idea to do it as a feature film?
1: Yes, uh, uh, I had uh, Adam McKay ready to help me go out to find financing for it. And this was around, you know, January, February, and then COVID hit and no films were going to be done. And so I wanted to try to make a film for the ears, uh, something that was immersive, uh, oral experience, uh, you know, that has attention to detail and the sound effects. And uh, I wanted to, to constantly be moving
0: like a movie, is constantly. And you're calling this an oral cinema podcast. How, how is it different from an old-time radio play?
1: Well, it depends on which radio play you're talking about, because I've been doing a lot of research into that. If you're talking about, it's more similar to the kind of oral experience that Mercury Theater was famous for, uh, you know, because it, what they were able to capture with their broadcast of War of the Worlds, it sent this huge panic across America. They were able to tap into a, a, a collective anxiety that was happening in the country at the time, and the anxiety being the, the, the fear of a fascist invasion, and um, and also they they performed uh, Julius Caesar, which was incredibly relevant to the time. Right. It, it's about trying to create something that goes beyond radio drama that stays in one room. It, it, it has a, it has a larger canvas, and hopefully. Uh, the attention to the detail that we've we've taken with this one can listen and kind of immerse themselves in it and see these rooms and see these faces and uh, beyond that also I thought it was really important because we're one of the things we're really lacking at this time is a sense of community a communal gathering space uh, aside from restaurants there's no theaters there's no movie theaters there's no concert halls that are, are allowing us to gather together in a place and, hear a story or, or hear a song and and understand that we're part of a community, that we're not insane, that there are other people that believe what we believe. And in that community, we can gather
0: strength. And
1: that's the ambition on,
0: on Babo Supreme. Well, actually, it's been happening during the president's rallies, but that's a whole other matter. Uh, Babo's Obsessed with golf and power, he's in favor of white nationalist groups. He calls them patriots. He's prone to firing his staff and blackmailing people. Is it difficult to satirize someone who some consider something of a parody of himself?
1: Well, yeah. I, it was it, it, the thing about satire is you have to go beyond what the truth is. You have to you have mm-hmm. to um, imagine uh, the the natural extension of behavior that you can observe and and so to imagine what it is like behind closed doors and more importantly to understand what is happening in the dark recesses of the psyche of this man uh, that's why uh baba supreme opens in a dream and ends in a dream. it's uh it, it, it we're not quite sure whether this is uh, our nightmare or his and um and, and that's, uh, you know, with satire, you have to go farther. You have to hmm. imagine um, the worst, and, and right from that point today.
0: And some of the Trump satires, like the Saturday Night Live sketches, have been criticized for being too mild. So uh, I guess you're saying that you felt uh, you didn't want to hold back at all.
1: The satirist uh, has to be rude, they have to hmm. be. Able to um, make their audience a little bit uncomfortable uh, as they are laughing. Um, I'm not interested in parody. Uh, we weren't interested in doing imitations of Trump or, or you know, plays on his name or anything like that. We wanted to really create a whole new character uh, called Baba Supreme because I think mm-hmm. in doing that, in, in fictionalizing it, you're allowed to delve deeper into. The dark recesses of his soul, and to really try to dramatize that and find the humor in that—it's uh, it, not easy to do. Uh, and the satirist should not be invited to the cocktail party. Um, he, he should be the one that, that that is is illuminating a truth that, that is a little uncomfortable to everybody. And well, I have to say that you know we are all capable of this unchecked id, particularly now, particularly in, in this challenging time. And one of the hopes on this uh, podcast is that uh, we can be reminded of what unites us uh, in through humor, but also uh, understand that we don't want to be that id. We don't want to go there. Um, we, we need to fight. We need to be strong. We need to be resolute. But we also have to retain our humanity, our empathy, our compassion. Uh, It doesn't mean we're not going to fight hard. It just means we can't be reduced to that unchecked
0: id that we are witnessing. Hmm. Well, like Bob Roberts, he's a singer, and you include a lot of songs written by you and your brother David, who has worked with you on your previous films. Was it fun to write songs for Bobbo? I mean, they have incredible titles like kill the poor teachers are liars liberals suck and 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 lyrics like selfishness is a virtue and avarice without shame will triumph in the end yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple songs that uh, I, I couldn't record the full versions of it because they were so uh, offensive even
0: to <laughs>
1: so uh, you know, in one case, uh, the, the backup singers decide to sing their own lyrics to a song. And uh, in another case, Babo gets so angry, he tasers the clarinet player for <laughs> playing the flat. I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to do the whole songs because they, they, they were awful, awful. Um, the trick on writing the other uh, songs was how do we create an irony that it, that can be heard out of context? and still be understood. Um, the Babo is Love Song, or Babo's, I'm sorry, it's called Babo's Strength, uh, is a play on uh, 1984, uh, Ignorance is Strength. Um, mm-hmm. the, it, it, there's, um, there's ways to hear the songs and uh, understand what they're about, uh, but also that the, I don't believe they can be taken out of context.
0: We will be playing uh, one of the uh, the tracks a little later in the show give people an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. My guest is Tim Robbins, whose latest project is a five-part radio podcast. We'll get into all of that in a little while as well, called Babo Supreme. Now, uh, he's also the host of a game show called Babo on Babo, where he interviews himself. So, does Babo's White House include a recording studio and a TV studio, uh, and also a Twitter war, war room?
1: Yes, and also a morning show called the Rose Garden Morning Show. Uh, he's turned the, the White House into an entertainment.
0: He's a a narcoleptic. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, he he interviews himself, and uh, we don't actually hear the the interview, but everyone's talking about it, saying how brilliant he was Mm. in it, Uh, how he asked himself tough questions and was able to answer forthright in a forthright way. Um, He he also has uh, the game show is actually called uh, "Losers Suck" that he does Mm -hmm. every day, Uh, and it's uh, this kind of. I don't know, uh, Verhoeven-esque uh,
0: fascist uh, game show. Bobo is also uh, a narcoleptic who falls asleep whenever the conversation turns to subjects other than himself. And each episode begins and ends with him snoring. Um, so that allowed you to um, make many of the scenes his dreams and and sometimes his nightmares.
1: Yes, he, all, he imagines himself to be an incredible athlete. Hmm. So in his dreams, you hear uh, sports reporters uh, just waxing
0: poetic on his athletic prowess. And then things turn wrong. Well, mostly golf, we should point out. That's what he dreams golf about. Gets, then, then he gets into a boxing ring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he is in a
1: basketball arena. hmm so yeah. So it, 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 as the as the story progresses, his achievements on the athletic field get more
0: and more questionable. His motto is, "If you like me, I will like you." And his favorite bedtime reading is Mein Kampf. Um, can, since Babo is a fictional character, can you just put whatever you want? That's correct. Hmm. <laughs>
1: That's the liberating thing
0: about
1: <laughs> fiction. Um, yeah, he has a, a, a role-playing thing he does with his wife where she pretends to be a different character and lulls him to sleep reading my Kampf.
0: You have to speak up a bit. I'm sorry. It's getting a little soft.
1: Oh, sorry. I, he <laughs> has a... Uh, uh, his wife uh, role-plays. Mm-hmm. And to, to get him to go to sleep, she reads him
0: my comp. <laughs> you have him tell a pretty wild story about how his family made its money, about his German grandfather in business with the Italian mafia. Uh, how much of this is based on 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 fact? We don't know the facts,
1: Leonard. Mm. Uh, uh, it's all projected. You know, it's all it's all. Me projecting in my imagination to what could be true. I do know that, you know, uh, his. I grew up in New York City, uh, and uh, Trump has always, for me, been thuggish. Um, You know, way many years ago, I had run into him on on one occasion, and I'd been observing him, and he's that guy, you know. I, I. I think everyone in New York kind of, aside from uh, being appalled at the, the ugliness of his buildings, knew for years who this guy was, that he seemed to be a, a thug. And it's um, shocking that so many people um, aren't aware of this uh, situation. And, you know, of, of course, can I prove anything legally? I don't. This isn't what I have to do because it's fiction. Whatever. <clears throat> This is, uh, you know, um, if this is true, it, it would be uh, really uh, compromising to all of us if if this were true. Um, you know, we're who knows who knows what the truth is. What <laughs> do we know? The truth? Are we post-truth? What what Trump's brilliance has been is to from the very start accuse anyone telling the truth about him uh, to be a liar. Um, it's, you know, pretty damn brilliant, you know, never accept responsibility for anything you've said or done and continue on in this way and, and never backtrack, never backtrack.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's worked for him, you know. Some years ago, during a uh, hurricane where um, it was impossible for me to get back home. I was working for another radio station. They paid for me to stay at the Trump Hotel in Soho. And I was stunned by, despite the hefty price, how poor the whole thing was. And I wondered why more of that wasn't mentioned at the time.
1: Who knows? You know, um, uh, who knows what I would love to get to the truth of what is behind the empire and where all the money is and uh, who he owes, what is it, $400 million to. Um, These are all important questions to answer, but uh, will we ever get to the truth? I I don't know. Certainly, if he wins, we never will. Go ahead. Well, if he wins the election, we never will. I mean, Mm. there's, you know, a certain... Empowerment that will happen if he's reelected that I really uh, fear.
0: What about some of the other characters in your play? His wife, various aides, staff members, hangers on, strippers. There's even a pet orangutan named Chippy Lou. How closely are they based on the real characters around Trump?
1: (laughs) Again, it's sat there. We're going way out. We're going way out. We're going. Uh, far away from what the reality is. And and in doing so, I, I, that's, I believe, when you can pull satire off, if we have, when, when you go far away from it, you can find some of the truth. When you're too close to it, it becomes a, a different form. It's it's documentary or it's uh, uh, parody. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we're trying to do here is... is project a different reality that we might recognize certain things in, but uh, it's far enough away so that we can have more fun with it and and, uh, use the fiction in it to
0: illuminate something that might be inherently true. The story begins in the weeks leading up to the election. Babo has two opponents Senator Michael Toast, Babo calls him Milk Toast, and a third party candidate he calls the Socialist. Why did you decide to make it a three way race?
1: Um, because I wanted to uh, give Babo this moment of hubris uh, where he makes a huge mistake. He finds out from his uh, advisor that uh, he's lost some support to the third-party candidate. And so in his brilliant mind, uh, he should debate that person in order to get that percentage of voters back, and winds up totally self-sabotaging because she, this third-party candidate, uh, is a, a fierce debater and winds up. Uh, rendering him speechless, probably the only person in, the, the, in his world that uh, would you know, could ever render him speechless. And it creates this huge embarrassment, which kind of propels his behavior for the rest of uh, the, the three uh, episodes. He's uh, driven into a new desperation and uh, a new um, uh,
0: attack mode. One of the running storylines is a right-wing militia called First Is Us, which has taken over the Michigan State House and is holding liberal politicians hostage. Did you write that before the the arrest of the men who were planning to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer? I wrote that a year and a half ago. Wow. Yeah, I mean, all those you things. were in. You were in on something there.
1: Listen, you know, from the very start, you know, he, coming down that elevator, he was baiting uh, this uh, hatred. He was uh, calling out to people who never really had legitimacy before. And he was empowering them to, to, to uh, share their bigotry and their racism. Uh, Charlottesville is another example of that. Good people on both sides. No, sorry, one side was Nazis. We fought a war to defeat that. Um, The signs were all there. And uh, when he tweeted out that Liberate Michigan, and two days later there were people armed with AR-14s at the Michigan Statehouse, it seemed like that was the... uh, that was the state that was going to be the crucible. So I did change it. Originally, it had been a year and a half ago when I wrote it, someone had taken over the state house in Oregon. And uh, as the Portland protests grew, I realized that there was a a different um, uh,
0: location that we should be concerned about. Hmm. So you went to Michigan, which turned out to be uh, prescient I've been wondering how uh, some of the things that um, his supporters believe um, are, are believed by them. For example, the QAnon people who uh, believe that, uh, that uh, many leading Democrats are pedophiles and actually drink the blood of babies. Uh, I mean, that's pretty hard to forgive the pun to swallow.
1: Well, you know, it's also hard to swallow that the president is retweeting these people. That's, you know, it's, it's crazy land, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a very scary uh, reality we're living in. And I think the, what's new about this time is that that kind of disinformation or crazy conspiracy talk can spread so fast and then if like, you go back to that, uh, what I was saying earlier, his uh, original uh, strategy of basically saying that anyone that says anything bad about him is a liar, then you, get, you create an environment where truth doesn't matter. And so it's only a logical extension of that that we'll get into legitimizing um,
0: these kinds of uh, wild conspiracy theories. Other issues that uh, you deal with in the play are uh, the killer virus and climate change. How does Babo respond to these scientific challenges?
2: Um,
1: Babo doesn't believe in science, um, and that is one uh, ad- adaptation or ad- addition I did do. Uh, I did um, in the in the current draft uh, that I wrote in. July, before we started recording, was to add the the COVID virus into the story. Um, yeah, he has a, a science and cool stuff room in the uh, in the White House where he, he keeps a couple scientists, and he mainly like that <laughs> because he can make explosions happen and fire off rockets.
0: Fire off rockets to what? To, to excite the, the general public.
1: You yeah, like fire fireworks, you know. He, hmm. he aims them towards Congress and sets them off and has a big laugh over that.
0: You're listening to it, Leonard Lopez at large. It's like a... Go ahead.
1: Imagine a child that is just... the A child that is the most powerful person in the world. That was one of the ways that we approached it. When I was writing it, I was thinking about that, about, you know, an unchecked id is, is really, uh, you know, also... a two-year-old, you know, a, a child that has not reached the age of reason
0: yet. Um, yeah. But we're also dealing in a world right now of alternate truths. You're in California, but in New York, if you were watching television, you'd see these competing ads for politicians running for a Congress or a state, the state legislature uh, in which they uh, they claim total opposite things. Uh, and I guess it comes down to you believe what you want to believe.
1: I think everyone's made up their mind pretty much. Uh, you know, who knows uh, if an October surprise will be coming or what it will be. Um, I, I, You know, I think we're in, in a, a fight for the future of uh, the republic. Um, uh, so I think people pretty much made up their mind. I, I, I'm encouraged to see that so many people are voting early. I would like to encourage anyone that is thinking about sitting it out to really not do that because that's, uh, uh, at this time, uh, unlike any other time in our history, it's really crucial that we uh, vote this guy out of office.
0: It's, uh, it, it's essential. You're listening to WBAI in New York? Leonard Lopez at large. We are at 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org.
2: President, probably we need to go All to the right, situation. Here we right. go. Count it in, Rudolph. Yes, sir. Mr. President. One, two, three, four. Everybody's telling lies but me. Everybody's making up their own reality. Everyone that hates me is unable to see that Bobo is love. Bobo is love. Everybody is in love with war. Everyone that fights for me knows what they're fighting for. Bobo is shouted out from shore to shining shore that Bobo is peace. Bobo is peace. It's everybody's right to be a slave, to work from morn to midnight till you meet an early grave. The worker and the farmer in the home of the brave cry, Bobo is freedom, Bobo is freedom. It's everybody's right to be dumb, the less you know, the less you care, the less to overcome. Come Bobo, it is the time to beat the drum, cause Babo is strength. Bobo is strength. Bobo is strength.
0: Big boys on the move. Hmm. One of the songs in Tim Robbins' new production called Bobo Supreme. Um, which is love being is offered, go ahead. No, love is hate,
1: war is peace, freedom mm-hmm. is, uh, slavery and, uh, ignorance is strength.
0: Now, Babo Supreme is available on, is it Patreon or Patreon? Patreon. Uh, isn't it a membership platform? How, how can people hear it? It is. Yes. yes. So that means you, it requires, uh, an admission price. That is correct.
1: It is an entertainment, and it is there is an admission price. But I'll be uh, hosting uh, various events on that, and I'm going to setting it up as a way to
0: get mature. You have to get a little closer to your phone. <laughs> you're kind of drifting. I said, off. I'm, I'm
1: setting it up to uh, to continue its use, and
0: uh, I'll be sending out things every month. To, uh, mm-hmm. so you <laughs> Are you going to be updating? Because right now you have five episodes of of 20 minutes each
1: well we right now there's only four available on patreon and the last one drops next week uh hmm. five to listen to but um they're uh, yes they're uh they're out this morning uh, episodes three and four are out
0: hmm. why that length 20 minutes because uh, that's about the, the length of most people's attention spans
1: um, <laughs> uh, well, no, uh, I would like to think that people could listen from beginning to end. and That's the way it was created, like a movie. Yeah. Uh, however, in this, uh, in this format, it's, uh, it's better, uh, in this world, I believe to keep things shorter because, uh, people's time is precious and, uh, you know, it's difficult enough to sit down and watch a movie, uh, for an hour and a half, two hours. So I figured people could do it in their cars, and uh, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon. It's, it's. I love the idea that you have a kind of a, a freedom to listen to it as you would like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a, a, a liberating uh, format. Um, I just made a, a cross-country trip and uh, to, uh, and I listened to a bunch of podcasts on the way and really uh, like the format.
0: On the other hand, if this were a film, people would be in a theater and they'd they'd be uh, laughing at the funny things all together. And they kind of, it kind of, uh, one thing then pushes another thing. You can't do that here. Also, because you originally conceived it as a film, uh, and then switch to audio. You weren't able to use any physical comedy or, or sight gags or even facial expressions, which can be a big part of comedy. Was that a challenge to have to convey everything uh, orally?
1: Um, it was, but it was. Uh, you know, I have such excellent actors in it. They all were up for the challenge. You know, we've got Jack Black and Isla Fisher and Ray Wise and Alfred Woodard and uh, Ted Levine. Ted Levine, uh, um, Patton Oswald, Haley sure. Joel Osment, Ricky Lindholm. We've got a... a, a Carrie Kinney, uh, Tom Lennon. We've got an incredible cast. And we all talked about that when we were sitting down for the first time we did a little Zoom rehearsal. We all talked about the, uh, how, how necessary it is to be specific in, in, in the way that we uh, do this. And, and uh, that, you know, it has to be... Uh, real behavior we have to imagine the truth of it uh, It can't be uh, wacky funny it, it, we have to we have to get the humor through uh, the reality that we're creating and, everyone and sound effects form. and sound effects yeah hmm. and um, you know the, the motion I think is important too that it's constantly moving that, that it has a sense of urgency to it.
0: Are most of them associated with your theater company the actors gang?
1: A couple of them are um, uh, uh, were in the Actors' Gang. Ricky Lindholm and Jack Black were both in the Actors'. Gang. Uh, others are people that I have uh, worked with in film and television, um, and also have been supporters of the Actors' Gang. have been audience members. I also use a lot of Actors' Gang members in the cast. Uh, got Steve Porter and BJ Foster and Brian Finney and Kylie Hollister and all these amazing actors that, from the Gang
0: joining. And and I'd imagine it's easier to get people to work on a project like this these days because so many productions have been shut down. Um, Since most people have been quarantining or social distancing, did you record this remotely with each of the actors in their own homes?
1: Yes, I bought uh, a bunch of mics uh, and I sent them to them, mailed them to them, their recordings were done in 35 different locations. Um, oh. uh, on the day that we sh- did it live, there are about 25 actors in, in various locations, all feeding into one uh, engineer that was recording it. Uh, people were in various parts of their house. Uh, one person was Carrie Kenney, locked herself in her closet so that she could do it, and had a sign on the outside that says, do not disturb, and she said I felt like I was a fourteen-year-old girl again. You know, like stay out of my room, mom. Leave mm-hmm. um, It was it was a lot of fun, and then you know, in the editing process, uh, as we're getting more and more intricate, and more and more specific, I start n- noticing things like leaf blowers in the background. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> get to that leaf blower. Um, It it was definitely challenging, um, you know, but exciting, exciting to do. Actors are, creative people are are really uh, getting a little antsy, you know. We want to do things. We want to make art. We want to do stories that are relevant to what's happening now. And um, so I I gathered some friends, I self-financed it, and uh, here we go, you know.
0: Like the leaf blowers, uh, watching some of the uh, cable news shows, suddenly there's a dog barking in the background there's, you can't control those things but on the other no, hand you didn't have to okay. deal with location sets costumes makeup and such so yeah, some ways, it of must have been easier right than to making a film go ahead
1: it, yeah well, a lot of the actors said that they were like this is so it's been so easy just to be able to concentrate on the material and not have to worry about makeup and hair and all that stuff um yeah, we'll get back to it eventually, but uh, I think for the next few months, uh, i'm I'm excited about doing more of these uh, representations of uh, stories in this format. I, I think it works. i'm I'm excited
0: by it. And do you think that in some ways, the story works better as a podcast than it might have as a film? Well, the, because, it, it, because it, people it, imagine things you know when you're listening to something, you're imagining what's going on, uh, and each person imagines something slightly different.
1: Yes, you get to create your own movie. It's, <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting – for me, it's an exciting uh, form. I'm, 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 I'm really uh,
0: excited by creating more in this form as well and you have an orangutan as a character you didn't have to find an animal a real actual orangutan, or an animal trainer
1: i that's right i didn't have to have a aspci on the set or anything and i can assure you though that no orangutan was harmed during the production (laughs) podcast um Yes, it's, it was interesting because we had, uh, when we recorded it, uh, because we didn't have an actual orangutan, we had an actor doing it, and uh, w- then we started researching in what an orangutan sounds like, and uh, it was a little different than what the actor was doing, so we decided to go with the real orangutan.
0: You really have an orangutan? Well, we found orangutan noises. Wow. They actually I have a very distinctive,
1: uh, language. And, uh, so Chippy Lou is kind of Babo's confidant. He's the, the, his, kind of his best friend. Um, he allows him to be in the, the situation room and uh, opine on various, uh, security matters. And he also, uh, has console with him uh, in his bedroom from time to time. Um, and eventually he, uh, He shares some information with Chippy Lou that uh, he probably shouldn't share. And so I don't
0: want to give away what happens, but um, madness ensues. A lot of theaters like the Public Theater and other nonprofits have gotten into doing Zoom productions and have found other creative ways of doing theater. Do you think that this quarantine will open up more ways of producing and distributing plays or productions?
1: Well, I I, I I like this format. I'm I'm not uh, sold on the Zoom format for theater because it's it, in essence it's a film format. I mean, uh, it's not really theater. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this at the Actors' Game. Uh, we've been workshopping a, a piece uh, that we may present in a Zoom format. Um, uh, we've been adapting uh, the Hard Times by Studs Terkel, the oral history of the Depression. We've also had this uh, other group that's working on this thing called Cabinet of Oddities. In a way, um, I believe what we... If we're going to do Zoom theater, we really have to think about it as as film theater. It's it's not you in a room with uh, actors uh, live. And there's no way we can actually create that. So as frustrating as that is, uh, I think it's important for theater artists to look at this time as a way to uh, workshop new work, uh, writers and actors working together to develop something. Uh, we have a lot of time. You know, I was always envious of these European theater companies that would take a year and a half to develop a piece. And as I said to my actors, well, here it is. You know, We have that opportunity. Up- What are we looking at for the future? How can we uh, develop something in this Zoom format to create an amazing theater uh, experience in the future? Um, I would love for it all to end and for us to gather again in in a communal space and to work as we always have. But for now, this is is keeping us going. There's uh, various actors in the company that are working on different projects Writing different things, so I'm I'm excited. You know, as much as this has been frustrating, I'm excited by what is to come, because I, th- I really do believe that the stories that we are going to tell when we, during this and when we come out of this are going to be uh, different kinds of stories. I, I think the audience is going to have a, uh, a new um, insight uh, and a, a new need. Uh, and I think that the stories that we tell have to address this and have to reflect the concerns and anxieties of our audiences and to tell stories that are relevant to now. Um, I don't know if idle distraction or, uh, or uh, kind of musicals, uh, I don't know how they work now. I've been watching certain things on television that I would find funny before that I don't find funny. (laughs) I I wonder whether we're in a significant cultural shift, Mm. Uh, maybe something like what happened in the early 70s with film, when you had uh, movie studios that were flailing. Uh, They didn't know what their audiences wanted. Uh, In the midst of the Vietnam War protests, they were doing thoroughly modern Millie and wondering why nobody was coming to the movie theaters. And they blamed it on television. And then Dennis Hopper comes along and does Easy Rider, and it's a huge hit. And then all the movie studios are, well, we need hippie filmmakers. They (laughs) started giving the keys to the car to Scorsese and Akula and Brian De Palma and Robert Altman and Hal Ashby. And amazing, amazing films are made in that period. And I want to hope that when we come out of this, that there will be that kind of cultural shift where we uh, maybe exit the uh, superhero realm and enter into what it is to be
0: human right now. Some people, saying, some people are saying some people we'll never get back to what we had before. The, the world has been permanently changed. And it was recently announced that Broadway theaters will be closed until at least the end of May 2021. Some movie theater chains will be closing altogether because uh, they can't afford to keep themselves going uh, now. How do you think this whole experience will affect the theater and film industries?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping, that, like I said, I, I'm hoping that people will understand that a different story has to be told now. And that we can hope we have people with vision, uh, or at least with the uh, uh, courage to, to try new things. People in power that uh, make these decisions. Um, you know, I think uh, money drives every business in America, including entertainment. And um, uh, I wonder uh, if if we, you know. The, uh, one very encouraging thing that just happened this past year was that Parasite won Best Picture. And uh, this was a a story of uh, marginalized people. And um, it's not a story that we tend to greenlight here in America. And and the, the Academy was saying to the film industry, please make more movies like this. That's why they gave it Best Picture and Best Foreign Picture and Best Director and Best Writer. It was uh, maybe that's part of the cultural shift. Maybe Hollywood needs to start telling stories that are more relevant to their audiences instead of distracting them. Um, who knows? We'll see. We'll see if that is how it, uh, maybe, maybe, we'll see if that's the way it, it rolls out. Uh, if not, I know certainly that uh, theater will exist um the live experience is uh, an experience you you can't replace and uh will always be there whether we're doing it in theaters or whether we're doing it outside or whether we're doing it in bands of roving minstrels uh there will be theater
0: we don't have much time left, but I want to get back to uh, how people can see this. Uh, as we mentioned, it's available on Patreon, which is a membership platform. How do people access it?
1: Go to Patreon uh, slash Tim Robbins Presents.
0: Okay. And then they'll just uh, put pay a certain amount uh, and get to see yeah, the, the whole thing? Yeah. Now, we you just have – ha- You listen to it. Well, I meant listen to. I want to, to make it. sure that people know that <laughs> it's not a film; it's a it's an oral cinema. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a-, it's a podcast. Uh, we have an election coming up. There may be some surprises. Are you planning to add to uh, Babo Supreme as events unfold?
1: I'm hoping that Babo will be uh, will not. Uh, I'm hoping it will not be necessary to continue to do Babo Supreme. Um, but who knows? We'll see how it shakes out. Um, it was always intended to be this one story that happens uh, in the five episodes. Uh, but we'll see. And The, meanwhile, the other you- thing that, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, difference in film and, and, and this kind of entertainment, it's there now. So it could be common an animation as well. Who knows? Mm. It's a, really a matter of people's... Uh, Response and
0: and whether the support is there for it. Meanwhile, do you have any other projects in the works? Other screenplays that you might consider doing as oral cinema? I've got about three of them, actually. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm ready to go. I just need Hmm. the, you know, the I need the financing for it. So I'm looking hopefully that there'll be enough of a response on this one to be able to fund a new one, and I'll get right to work.
0: Well, good luck with it, Tim. Tim Robbins, we've been talking about his latest project, Babo Supreme, which is quite funny. Um, Will not please certain people, but that's to be understood when you're doing a satire of this sort. Thank you so much for being on our show. My
1: pleasure, Leonard. Thanks for having me again.
0: And that brings us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to segment producer Barbara Kahn, who prepared today's interview. If you're new to our program and you'd like to hear more, you can access all of our past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are available. And there are links to all of our past shows on our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com. And if you want to comment on any of our shows, or if you just want to say hello, my email address is LeonardLopate at WBAI.org. Before I sign off, I'd like to take just a few minutes to ask for your support for this station. We are asking all of our listeners who have the finances to do so, to step up and make a tax-deductible contribution at whatever level you're comfortable with by going to our website, give2wbai.org, or by calling 516 620 3602 right now to keep the unique in-depth content we bring you on this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. and we need your help to get back on our feet after this pandemic has compromised our funding as it has for so many independent media sources if you tune in regularly to Leonard Lopate at Large or even if you've just discovered our in-depth 1-hour interviews on subjects that we hope that you find engaging why not step up right now by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling five one six six two zero three six zero two to help keep the show and the station on the air. And and one great way to support WBAI without having to lay out a lot of money at one time is to become a BAI buddy. They're listeners who contribute ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty whatever uh, each month to keep the station running and to show their support for what we do on the show. But whatever level you are comfortable with the important thing is that you do it right now to to play a role in keeping this crazy experiment and 100% listener supported free speech radio alive and well remember we don't take we don't have uh, ads we don't uh, take uh grants we rely 100% on our listeners it gives us all sorts of freedom that other stations don't have, but it also puts us in a bind at times, and right now we are in a serious bind, so we hope you will come through. And uh, please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. A big thanks to all of you who've already stepped up uh, and uh, shown your support for this show and this station. Um, You may have heard Tim Robbins interviewed elsewhere, but when have you heard him discuss his craft uninterrupted for an hour? That's the kind of thing that can only happen on this show on WBAI. So um, many people write to me, tell me how much they enjoy that. We need you to show us your support financially as well. The number to call 516-620-3602. Go online to give to WBAI.org. And Please make that call right now in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. We hope you'll tune in again tomorrow when Martin Luther King, Jr., professor of law at UC Davis, Carlton F.W. Larson, will discuss his latest book on treason, a citizen's guide to the law. Hope to see you then.